I'm not the house of cards that falls down easily Ooh, I'm strong enough to handle what you throw at me Welcome to Mental Health News Radio. I'm your host, Kristen Sunanta-Walker. Just what are we going to discuss? The intimacy that is mental health. Let's continue to make it as comfortable as discussing brain health or heart health. This show has been on the air for several years and we have amazing co-hosts. And then we created a network of podcasters on mentalhealthnewsradionetwork.com, a place where every possible facet of mental well-being can be talked about openly. My show, after several hundred interviews, the format is this. Intimate, deep, funny, touching, sometimes uncomfortable, but always vulnerable conversations with interesting people. The goal is to have you, our listening family, many of you who have become my good friends, feel as though you are listening in on private conversations. Thank you for tuning in and becoming part of this amazing journey with me and now with our network of podcasters. Just knowing this podcast might be helping any of you realize you are not alone on this journey called being a human being makes doing this podcast worth every second. Hey everyone, we've got a special show for you tonight. Lots of personal experience with this one. (laughs) We're going to talk about the female narcissist and Paul, uh, Dr. Paul Myers here. This is a roundtable show. Hi, Paul. Hi, how you doing, Kristen? Good. And we have Melanie Van here also. Hey, Kristen. Hey, Paul. So I love your I love your joke, Paul. Uh, the greeting of a narcissistic woman or man, but um, hi, how am yeah. I? <laughs> yeah, hi, how am I? <laughs> Just the world revolves around the narcissist, you know. Then I have another one. The other person. I have another yeah, joke. Why did the yeah. narcissist cross the road? Why? Uh, uh, I don't know. She thought it was a boundary. Uh, <laughs> oh, that's a good one because they don't like boundaries. So true. And I and I like Paul. You wrote or of a passive dependent person. Before we go into yes. twelve traits, can you explain what that means to our listeners? A passive dependent person. Yeah, yeah. There's some people that are nice people, but they're they're uh, passive. They're just real passive, and they get uh, you know pushed around. You you know usually by a controlling parent when they're growing up, and then they usually marry somebody that will push them around when they're adults to continue it, and and uh, they don't express their anger um, outwardly when they feel it, they stuff it, and then they 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 tend to be passive aggressive and and find subtle ways to do it, and like you know getting a headache every time it's time for sex or something, but but right. they but they would they they put their stuff worse in other people's pockets, so. They would say, hi, how am I? So that they could actually find out how they are because <laughs> their opinion doesn't count. It's only your opinion that counts. So that's different than the, the narcissist. Yeah, see, the narcissist uh, is selfish. And so uh, he or she would say, how, hi, how am I? Because they're the only ones that count. But in reality, the narcissistic person would say, how are you doing? They'd be real manipulative and act like they care. And then they'd So that's interesting. We will come back to the passive dependent person and the hi, how am I from someone who's, see, this is the piece. There's different sides of the narcissism coin. And that's what I'm going to interject in here. But we're going to we're going to move on. We'll we'll get to that. We're going to move on to the 12. Paul does all these this amazing research. um, And Melanie and I just chew on our experiences for a week. And then Paul sends us all this great stuff. So he sent us a Word document, eight pages of all this amazing stuff. And one of the pieces in there is 12 common traits of narcissistic women. And it's really good. So I'm going to read them off and then we will discuss. So the first one is a female narcissist is good at marketing herself. Being the most charming person in the room, you can't take that away from her as she craves for attention. So, Melanie, I'm going to start with you. Um, and rem- remember, I'm good at marketing myself. <laughs> I have to because I have a company <laughs> and I can be very charming. However, uh, I'm also... That doesn't mean you're No, it means I... I but I can definitely share um, the stage with somebody else or completely take a break and not be the center of attention is fine with me too. But, but where is, where does that come in where it's a trait of a narcissistic woman? Like how, how is that marketing of yourself 
go well, into think, the dangerous territory. Yeah, I think what you said is key, and that is uh, being able to step aside. So that would be the difference with a woman that I'm sure we have all known women women that wanted to be the center of attention in every single situation, okay. and usually it's very they're very visibly uncomfortable when they're not. Um, I have known narcissistic women that pout, that make noises, that grunt, you know, the, the classic, oh, you know, just because they're not being the center of attention. So, or what you really have to watch out for is the covert narcissistic woman who oftentimes is gregarious, funny, um, makes you laugh a lot. Uh, and just seems to be a really great person, but they generally are kind of the center of attention, but you enjoy it because they're entertaining. Mm -hmm. So that can be really dangerous too, because someone like that is so interesting to us, right? They, they make us feel good. They make us laugh, but underneath it, the motives are, are not pure. I mean, we all have to market ourselves to some extent um, because we have to, to get on in the world, but the female narcissist is just, it's extreme. Um, and usually it's pretty visible. And anytime there's any any challenge in any way, there's usually a very strong re negative response. Those are my thoughts on it from her. Yeah. What do you yeah. say about that, Paul? Well, uh, uh, like Melanie said, sometimes it, it can be subtle. Like even in church settings, um, a narcissistic woman would market herself by appearing to be real sp more spiritual than the other people. So it, mm -hmm. like if there was a prayer meeting and, and there were six women at a Bible study in a prayer meeting, the uh, uh, if they had a half an hour to pray um, and there were uh, six people, that'd be what, about three minutes each or something like that? Uh, wait, six into three or five minutes each. Uh, but the uh, narcissistic woman might pray 20 straight minutes, you know, and, and really appear spiritual and, oh, Lord, you know. <laughs> <laughs> be real dramatic and all that and, and so she would uh she would take up most of the time in the uh in, even in a uh religious setting and then in group therapy we do a lot of group therapy in our day program and and when we and, and we don't get very many narcissistic people that come here uh if narcissistic people need to but they usually don't come for help you know? but, but anyway everyone around that, them is in is in the catalyst program everyone that's been tortured by them but they who have yeah, yeah is not there yeah, but but in the, in the in our in our uh we have several hours a day of group therapy so if a narcissistic uh male or female comes then they'll tend to dominate the group and uh and then uh, the therapist you know keith coburn who's been on with us before he'll um make some uh, comments or get the other group ask the other group members how do you feel about the fact that uh, this person has talked uh, for 20 to the first 25 minutes of the group <laughs> yeah and, and, and he'll actually make them wear a sign i mean the, the next day they'll have to um, um, be silent and not say anything for the whole hour and a half of group and maybe yeah. even wear a sign saying i'm going to be silent today Oh wow, that's intense. Yeah, it's not good. It's not to shame them. Uh, no, it's, but, it's yeah. to just make them aware. You know. Yeah. Exactly. Mm. Uh, yeah. Absolutely. Um, yeah. I, I I remember one that for every ch every time she went to church, it was all about the clothes she was wearing, how much money she was pretending that she had, which she was actually stealing from lots of other people. <laughs> and how she had ev to have everybody look at her tithe check and then she would go on and she would spin around and do, do twirls and stuff in the middle of a service to prove her connection to God. I mean, it was utterly ridiculous and then um, become enraged at the minister if he did not give her sufficient attention in direct proportion to the amount of her tithe check. Um, so <laughs> I just would sit there flabbergasted. Or, or, wow. Or if, if they go to a church, if they go to a church where some people raise their hands, you know, when, when they feel, you know, really mm -hmm. good about what they're doing or something like that, they'll go sit in the front row, you know, and <laughs> so everybody sees them raising their hand. And they'll do it yes. more than anybody. <laughs> yep. So instead of doing it to worship, they'll do it to, so people might worship them. And, and I guess, I guess we ought to add, I guess we ought to add that the most likely 
place to find a narcissist at a church. Might be the pastor or the uh, uh, the person who leads the songs or or the, the mm-hmm. singer. They, most of them aren't. Most pastors are wonderful. You know, most song leaders are wonderful. I'm not saying that, but but statistically, um, uh, you know, I, m- I remember you know learning that statistically there there's a higher percentage of uh, narcissists um, in those kinds of jobs, even in the pastorate, than than in a lot of other careers. Yes, absolutely. Um, very much so. <laughs> Anytime you have uh, some place that looks like a shiny platform with that's going to give you a lot of attention, you're going to find them um, flocking to be the leader of that like, group. Like some, or, of these TV, some, of these, some of these TV evangelists too, you know. Yes. Oh, yes, absolutely. So the next one is... Hey, a hey, nurse. Let me tell you, wait, wait, wait yeah. before you go on, let me tell you something really, really fun to do sometime. Uh, <laughs> and those of you are listening family too. If you turn on uh, one of those real dramatic uh, TV evangelists, um, and, and you know, I, I'm a Christian. I'm not making fun of Christians. So don't, I hope people aren't off- offended uh, by they what I'm be. saying. They won't be. They've but, seen it all. But, <laughs> <laughs> but when you, if you find one of those real dramatic TV evangelists uh, on TV when you're sw- uh, going through the channels, uh, watch it for, for a few, five or ten minutes with the sound off. Oh, it's amazing. <laughs> it's, it's, I mean, it's they're they're waving their hands and blinking their eyes and and uh, you just you know uh, oh it's just you know it's just you know it's almost nauseating but but it's yes. it's sort of you know funny for a few minutes a theatrical performance yes um, a narcissistic female lacks common courtesy she is convinced that the reason for her existence is to make the world complete thus sees no reason to reciprocate empathy to others so Melanie. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy, oh boy. Uh, well, we all know that empathy is a big issue with narcissists, and we talked about cognitive empathy versus emotional empathy. Uh, but a lot of times, the female, more malignant narcissist is is literally is going to think the world is there to serve her. If things are not revolving around her, a lot of times there's a pity party to get all the attention on them, or the pity party is to um, skirt responsibility for their actions. And so if everyone feels sorry for you, then you don't have to be responsible for all the irresponsible behavior that you participate in. So I think that happens a lot. Um, But it it can be um, really daunting to have to deal with with a, a woman that, you know, thinks she doesn't even have to be polite. Um, generally, they can. A, a malignant female narcissist will be very curt mm-hmm. and rude. Um, how dare you not hold the door for me? How dare you not pay for my meal? Um, you know, how dare you not give me praise when I just lifted my finger to do one thing for you? Um, so it's all this entitlement and expectation that they just think the world owes them. And it's just, it's a very deep-seated mentality in narcissists in general that they are owed something for doing absolutely nothing. The minimal. Oh, yes. yes. Oh, yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I got a yeah. story about that one. But, Paul, let's move to you next. <laughs> on this? Yep, uh, that's on question. this one. Yep. Okay. Well, uh, again, uh, I'm thinking about in, in gr- when we do uh, group therapy, um, when one person shares something that they're real sad about, it's really neat that other people chime in and say, Oh, Hey, I really feel for you on that, you know, and, uh, and show empathy. And, uh, but when there's a narcissist in the group, if they share something that they're suffering, the people will do that. Hey, I really feel for you and all that. Uh, and then, but, but the, but, but she doesn't stop to think, well, you know, when the other people are sharing their pain, she just wants them to hurry up and shut up. So she can share more of hers. She doesn't empathize right. with them and say, Oh, I feel for you and all that sort of thing. She just wants them to hurry up and uh, finish so she can get back to talking. Yes. And I, and the I think thing- there's a reason for that. I think there's a reason for that, that it, we don't know all the factors of what causes narcissism. But, right. But from the research, it looks like the main cause is, uh, um, uh, that, in fact, some people, when I was in residency at, at Duke, some of the profs thought that a lot of it was caused in the first 18 months of life. But, um, you know, 50% of our our personality is formed by the third birthday and 85% by the sixth birthday, unless we change. And uh, if if you have a mom 
uh, and I, I'm not, you don't blame everything on the mom, but most kids are raised by their mom more than by their dad. So if, if you had, if you're, if you were raised just by a dad and he wasn't empathetic, you would have the same results. So I, I'm not blaming moms here, just that moms do most of the childering. But, but if you, if you, if you were brought up by a mom that doesn't have a whole lot of empathy for you, it's just her duty to sort of take care of you. And, uh, she may not, uh, change you right away when you're wet or when you're crying. Um, if you're cold or, or if you're too hot or if you're hungry, uh, there may be some neglect. There's not, a, they may not get as many hugs. Uh, a lot of them uh, may not get very many hugs when they're growing up. And so they crave uh, attention because they, they're not getting enough. And, uh, and there's a lack of empathy. And so they don't learn to empathize back. And so that's why if a mom's that way, that's why there's probably an equal number of males and females, uh, because both the boy babies and the girl babies would be brought up that way. It would just show in different ways, depending on their sex. Right. So when we say, you know, lacks common courtesy, that can be in so many different ways. It can be, you know, cutting in front of people in line, just feeling like they're entitled. Um, it can be like, you know, we hear about Paris Hilton, just, you know, talk about a narcissist. People would uh, give eyewitness accounts of her driving down the street and just absolutely no care. She's the only person on the road. Yeah. Um, you know, just we, Melanie and I had dealings with a you know, sociopath, has her own Wikipedia page devoted to her, which I will not say her name, but, um, you know, uh, almost killed several people, put several people in the hospital with a car um, and absolutely no empathy whatsoever towards the injury, you know, the lifelong injury that was caused. So, yeah, there's there's a lot of that. But it can also be things that you don't think of as common courtesy because they're not out there. So, uh, like you said, Paula, a mother that doesn't change a child's diapers because they're angry that they're having to take care of this child. Um, they don't feel sorry for the child. They don't yeah, feel they, sorry. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. You yep. know, you mentioned driving. Uh, if you've ever, have you ever driven across the country, you know, or, or do you always fly? But oh, I've driven across. I've driven yeah, before. absolutely. Okay. When, when you, like when you go to Kansas, it, especially in smaller towns, well, people coming the other way will wave to you. Yes. <laughs> That's how it is in Powhatan, <laughs> isn't it, Kristen? You know I mean? Yes. Like the Powhatan. Yeah, <laughs> if, if you're in a two-lane highway and you pull up to uh, uh, to the next car uh, in Kansas, the the car will often get off to the side of the road so you can get by. You know? Oh, I know. <laughs> then, but, that's why I live in the if country. If you're in New York City, if you're in New York City or you're Los dead. Angeles, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, yeah, if you or Boston, you know, uh, you, you don't even blink when you change lanes because if you do, the nar there's so many narcissists running around. I don't know why there's more in the big cities, uh, I'm not sure uh, that they do have, I mean, you know, that there are some studies that showed that they have like 40% are depressed instead of 25%, things like that. But anyway, in a big city like that, uh, like Los Angeles, I've, I've been there many times, uh, you don't blink when you change lanes because people will all speed up to not let you in. Make sure you don't. Oh, <laughs> yeah, I don't turn on my, when I go to Atlanta or even, you know, back <laughs> to North Carolina, which is totally up to its, it's uh, traffic and everything. I hate going down there now where I used to live um, because the traffic is horrible, but I don't ever use my signal. I move aggressively. Thank God I, I learned how to drive on a stick shift in Southern California in the LA area. So I learned aggressive driving. That was my first type of driving. I move into the lane and then I turn on my signal as I'm almost already there. <laughs> So that I don't get a ticket. Because you're right. If you, now, if now you do Dallas, that, you're done. Now, <laughs> now in Dallas, it's different, you know. Yeah, uh, people are so nice here in Dallas. Yep. <laughs> you know, yep. it, it, there are more. I, I'm, I'm joking that, you know, I mean, there's narcissists everywhere. But in, in Dallas, if you blink, I, I'd say about half the people would would try to slow down let you in. Or, or maybe a little bit more than half would let you in. And maybe a third of them wouldn't. They'd speed up so you couldn't get in. I actually had with these two women and, you know, I, I wouldn't, obviously I can't give someone a diagnosis. They were very narcissistic females. Um, and I was driving a minivan and my son was in the car and this, you know, we were poor as 
dirt, right? And so this car barely made it on fumes to get up a hill. And that was our only source of transportation. So we're driving up this hill and it's a busy, busy area somewhere in Dallas. I can't remember where, but my vehicle just stopped. Like it just stopped. And these two women in these hot race cars, you know, that were my age, because I was in my my, my late 20s, but dressed to the nines and, you know, in little disco outfits or whatever are illegally driving and cutting out behind people and laughing hysterically and flipping people off and just all this nut, nut stuff. And then they saw they weren't paying attention and my car was stopped on the road and they almost hit me. They ended up hitting each other, which, of course, I sat there chuckling like, <laughs> You deserve that for not paying attention. But they get out of their car, no concern whatsoever about me with my child in a car seat, in the car, on a busy road, um, waiting for AAA to get there. They start screaming and yelling at me, cursing all this stuff because I got them in an accident somehow. And I I knew better. Uh, yeah, I knew better than to engage because my son was there. So I was like, I am not. He was already like, <laughs> you know, crying. And I was like, I'm just not going to engage. But let me tell you, when the cops came, those two got hauled off and arrested. <laughs> and I just Good. sat there going, ha! <laughs> so, There's some justice uh, in the world. Yes, it was, you know, and the cops were like, oh, my gosh, ma'am, you know, oh, you, let's help you, woman with a baby. You know, um, but anyway, that that was a just an example of really narcissistic behavior. Um, so let's go to the I've, next one. I've got a, I've got a, I've got a confession real quick. Go ahead. Uh, of a, <laughs> a narcissistic thing I did because I was mad at some other narcissists. Okay, I was. Uh, <laughs> I just thought of it because you were, you were talking about driving. I was I was driving with my family uh, somewhere on vacation or something. And we were on a, a highway where there's two lanes on each side. And narcissists aren't always speeding. Sometimes they're the ones that are going real slow because they don't care if they block everybody. And uh, and so um, there was a Mack truck uh, on the right, and uh, and there were some girls in the in a convertible to the left of the Mack truck, and they were just talking to each other and laughing and stuff. And 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 the speed limit was like 65. And they were the truck and the girls were going about 50. And so they, and, and there got to be a bigger and bigger stack of cars behind them trying to get by. And, and, uh, and, uh, finally I got, uh, really frustrated and, and I did something I shouldn't have done. I mean, you know, I, I could have gotten in big trouble for it, but I, I went off the side of the road on the right and around Paul. the, around the truck on the side of the road, you know, where there wasn't any pavement or anything and got in front of the truck. And then I went slower than the truck. So that the truck had to slow down so the girls pulled up uh beside my car and uh and i i had a big uh van you know one of those maxi vans so all, all the kids mm-hmm. were fit in and all that and i had this great big slurpee that i was drinking you know <laughs> and i opened my window and just threw it all over him and took off but that was a narcissistic thing to do because it could have uh it could have caused an accident and hurt people you know i, I, I would never do that again oh man oh my gosh that we is all have funny. our moments we, we all have, have our moments i've had yeah. mine believe me I, I, you I've know had mine. i don't have many but i tell you my slips have uh, several of them have been on the road remember the that day Kristen, i <laughs> i told you I was in the right, I was, it's not a right away question, but I was sitting where I was supposed to sit in the intersection. It's that very odd intersection up near Angela's, yes. you know exactly what I'm talking about. Yep. And Horrible. someone pulled up behind me and evidently thought I was in their way. So they took the time to roll down the window and flick me off, you know, <laughs> and, and, and usually I can just ignore those things, but it was just so deliberate and intentional. I was just like, that's it. And I rolled down my window and yelled something. I'm not going to tell you what I yelled because it's ugly. Oh, good. And it felt so good. I was just like, you know, and I rolled back up the window and I was just like, oh my gosh, I cannot believe I just did that. But I mean, everyone has their breaking point, I guess. Uh, but you're usually pushed to it by the narcissist because they like to push when, your when buttons. The driver, when the driver does that to me, I, I act like they're, I think, like I think they're waving. 
That's there we go. Just wave at him. That's perfect. That's absolutely Hi. perfect. I used to do the shame, you know, like the shame head shake and whatever. And then I was like, this is ridiculous. I just ignore them now and have a smile on my face. But I used to like shame them or point my finger. I did do one where they were awful. They were just, oh, they were speeding up and slowing down and just causing everybody all kinds of issues. And they thought it was funny. They're laughing. These two, it happened to be two other women laughing as they're doing this. And so I... I sped up dangerously close and um, pulled out my phone again, not should what nothing I should have been doing. And I flicked on the flashlight app on my phone. So it looked like I was taking a picture of their license plate. Yes. Oh yeah. And uh, they, man, they couldn't have made a U-turn on the next street and got out of there quick enough. <laughs> I bet they did. I've done that before. I've done that before. Ooh, but my wife gets but, mad. She says, you don't know if they have a gun or not. You know, so. Yeah, that's what I used to say. Yeah, I used to say that with, with my ex-husband. Please do not kill us, the dogs, and our child uh, because you're having because you can't control yourself from somebody that's being awful. But anyway, <laughs> let's go to the next one. Uh, when in a relationship, a female narcissist disengages, use neglect and abandonment to punish her partner. So, Melanie, what do you see about that? Well, that's just the discard, you know, that's the classic narcissistic discard. And if you don't allow any communication, uh, then you literally just treat the, this is, this is emotional abuse, psychological abuse. When someone does not even, um, give one thought to your words or your, your, you're trying to communicate with them and they just completely shut you out. Um, which can be, you know, ex extremely painful. Now, sometimes we have to shut people out to have strong boundaries, and that's fine. That's okay. Um, and oft, I mean, I've had to do that because I'll let, I'll, I'll give people so many chances over and over and over, and then finally, I'm just like, you know what? I've had enough. <laughs> and then you just have to put up that real strong boundary. But the narcissist uses that; they use it as a tool to shut you up. They use it as a tool so that the next time you have a concern or if you want to talk about something that's bothering you in the relationship, they just shut you out so that the next time you have a concern, you're not you're not even going to raise it because you don't want to go through the emotional pain of being rejected and discarded. So they they use it as a as a power tool. It's really right. painful. You know, yeah. it's one of the most painful things they can do is that just completely shut you out. I know, I know, no one likes commercials, but seriously, folks, without the help from these organizations, we could not stay on the air. Please give a shout out to zencharts.com. If you're a mental health or addiction treatment center, you'll want to use their EHR. It's gorgeous. And they're just good people. And also MyGenetics, M-Y-G-E-N-E-T-X.com, because knowing your genetic code empowers your mental health treatment. And lastly, CopeNotes.com. We love getting positive messages right to our phones every day from Johnny Crowder. He's the lead singer of Prison, a heavy metal band sharing their music about suicide prevention, addiction recovery, and mental health. See, that was painless. Support them as they support us. Back to the show. Absolutely. Paul, your thoughts on that one. Yeah, do, do you know how you can tell if you're married to a narcissist or in a relationship with a, a narcissistic uh, friend or a narcissistic somebody that you're living with or something? If you have to walk on eggshells around somebody, yes. and the other person's probably, probably a narcissist because uh, you're so afraid. You, you know, if you're with, if, if there's two healthy people, I mean, I, I think the three of us are pretty healthy. You know, I, I, I really, you know, love you guys. And, and uh, if you, if any mm -hmm. of us had a problem with the other, we wouldn't mind confronting no, the other person and, and, and we would appreciate it. You know, we, we would just say, yeah, that is, you know, that and it's in the delivery too. That, Neither of us would say it yeah. in a way that would be hurtful to the other, yeah. or at least we wouldn't yeah. do that on but, purpose. Yeah. But, but with a narcissist, if you confront them about the slightest little thing, you're in, you know, it's uh, your ego, your uh, it's ego injury. You know, you're you're injuring their ego, and so they, like you said, they'll neglect you or abandon you, or you know, they might yell at you first, but then they'll pretend like you don't exist, and, and so you learn to keep your mouth shut. If you have any problems with them, they can share theirs 
with you and bossy around, but, but if you share yours with them, they'll disengage. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, the female narcissist lacks the ability to process shame, for example, has difficulty apologizing when found guilty. I definitely have a story on that one, but I'm going to go to you, Melanie, first. <laughs> well, I can't wait to hear your story, but I mean, narcissists don't have empathy. They, they, they do not have the ability to really put themselves in someone else's shoes. It's just, it's not there. And if they show it, because a lot of them actually do, again, it's cognitive empathy and it's another tool in their toolbox that they're using to manipulate. So they use, what they wanna do is get you to let down all your boundaries and all their walls because they hate boundaries. You know, the joke, why does a narcissist cross, did, cross the road? Because they thought it was a boundary. So they want you to let down everything so they can get in your most intimate parts. And then therefore they can literally, you know, control you like you're their puppet. So there's, and of course, the sh there is no shame. There is no responsibility for their own actions. They're going to defend themselves to the grave. Um, and you're just very rarely going to get any type of apology. In fact, they're probably going to turn it around on you. Somehow yes. it will be turned back around on you or someone else. It's never going to be that no, they did yeah. something that, that wasn't, that wasn't kind. So because that shame is so triggering for a narcissist because that's what they're full of, right? They're so full of shame about themselves that they cannot stand to feel shame kind of put on them by someone else. So they just completely reject it because they're so, they're so full of it anyway. You know? Yep. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. What's your story, Kristen? I want to hear it. Well, I want to go to Paul first and I'm trying to think okay. of how I should, how I should say the story. So it's not as, Detailed, even though detailed is the worst horrific reality of what it was, but I'm thinking maybe I shouldn't share every detail about it. So I'm processing that, Paul, while you talk about this piece. <laughs> yeah. What? Oh, about this. Oh, yeah. You the, want me to say something yeah, before the, you tell the, your story? Yes. Okay. Yeah, the lack okay. of the ability to process shame and difficulty apologizing okay. when yeah, found guilty. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. The the shame can be a good thing or it can be a bad thing. You know, if in all of this, and uh, uh, if if uh, we do something that's legitimately harmful to others, and if we're a good person, then we're going to be ashamed and feel guilty and and deal with it. We won't beat ourselves up, but we'll we'll share it with you know somebody or pray and ask God to forgive us and 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 deal and deal with it in our own mind so we don't do it in the future. So that's a healthy kind of uh, guilt. If you have no guilt, you know, then then you're a narcissist or a social guy, but, uh, but, um, they don't, when they do something that harms other people, they don't feel guilty for doing it. But, uh, Melanie, I'd like to, uh, understand better. Um, you know, you, you, you do a lot more therapy than I do. And, uh, uh you, you feel, you feel like narcissists do have shame underneath all that facade. Is that what you're I, saying? I do. I think there's tons of shame in there, uh, about, their lack of ability to be human and whatever shame that was probably put on them by the narcissistic parent or abusive parent. Uh, and yeah. so they're, and, and so that's really connected to that, to that abuse piece. And they don't know what to do with their feelings that kind of floats around. They don't even know how to feel them. And so, yes, I think narcissists are incredibly, they're going to put on a front, like they're the best thing in the world. But I think underneath it all, it's they're really just filled with shame of, you know, not not being like everyone else is. And that is the ability to have empathy and, and things like that. Yeah, so, to love and be loved. Yeah. Yes. You, you know, when, when, when they're when you're abused as a child, you feel like it's your fault. But yes, you children, do. But and, and so I guess if your mom neglects you when you're young and doesn't show any empathy for you, then then you probably feel like you don't deserve it uh, in some ways and might feel ashamed, but do you think they're aware of, of the shame? Uh, I mean, do they, that depends. Do, do, that in, really when depends you're dealing the with age. them in therapy, do, yeah. do, do yeah, they ever it, actually say, I feel ashamed of myself? No, no, <laughs> they're never going to show it because that's unconscious. Yes. They're not going to show their cards. They would never give you that vulnerability about themselves because that's not it? safe. Do they feel it? I mean, are, are they aware of feeling ashamed? I think they feel sorry for themselves. That's what I think. 
Yeah, I don't know yeah, that they associate. Yeah, I don't know that they associate it as shame, but I think yeah. they feel incredibly sorry for themselves. In fact, I think that's where a lot of their cognitive empathy comes from: is that they'll see a situation that reminds them of their own wound and own shame, and they'll actually yeah. feel sorry for themselves, and they will actually think that they're feeling sorry for the other person, but in reality they're feeling Good. sorry for themselves. It has nothing yeah. to do with the other person. It's, oh, you know, they're being overwhelmed by their their own feelings yeah. of, of That's sorrow. Helpful. That's helpful. Yeah. I never really thought uh, about that until you said it. Uh, but but I, I think that's helpful. I think that's, you, you've got to be right that they unconsciously feel a lot of shame because the way they were brought up and things. But, um, well, that's why they have to have that, that image to cover it up. Yeah. yeah. But, yeah. but, but, but if we have, I think if we have legitimate guilt, uh, you know, if I feel sad because I hurt somebody's feelings or did something wrong, I think that's a good sign that, that we're a good person. So some, some shame, but, but, but people that are, uh, obsessive compulsive, uh, or masochistic or things like that, some people have false guilt and they feel ashamed of things that they haven't even done wrong that other people have done wrong. Some people have way too much shame. Lots of times, shame is false guilt. Yeah. Um, so that's why I say there's a healthy shame and an unhealthy shame. But uh, if, if somebody says that, if they share, especially with you, I'm really ashamed of myself for what I did or what I said. I mean, I apologize to my wife when I do something that offends her. And I, um, I think that's a good thing. Uh, a narcissist yes. wouldn't say, I feel guilty for what I just did. No, sure there's no regret. There's no regret, yeah. you know, like Other raising a teenager. Exactly, that they got <laughs> caught. Yeah, raising a teenager, I've said some things to my son that I'm not proud of, and I immediately regret it. I immediately feel bad about it. I let him cool down, and then I'll go apologize, and he'll do the same for me. So, um, you know, th that that's a natural progression of being a human being. But a lot of times when narcissists do those types of things, they think they're entitled to. They think they're absolutely entitled to say and do things that are hateful. Um, oh. They're lashing out. That, oh, yeah. I don't need all that unconscious shame. Yes. I hadn't thought about that, but that makes sense. Yeah. You know, they, 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 they're not happy. Narcissists no. aren't happy. No. Don't you, let them you fool you. Yeah, they're yeah, going to act like they are. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's an act. Academy Award winning. Absolutely. So, okay, so the story, this ties into the one we just talked about, about um, not apologizing or difficulty apologizing. And then the next one, which is she is unpredictable in her moods due to pride and other traits. A narcissist won't open up to you what she actually wants. So those two together, here's here's my story. And this is, this is the PG, well, it's not, anyway, whatever. It's a, a little bit of a watered down version. Um, I, um, what I had a cut, a really bad, um, cut, um, on my arm. It was an accident that happened. And, uh, um, the person that I was with was extremely narcissistic. And, um, I was, it, I, I talked about this with Melanie earlier today. Uh, when you're in a relationship with someone who is extremely narcissistic, you are, um, killed a little bit every day by um, the, the, you know, what is that? The knives of many cuts or the cuts of what there's some saying around that, but every day you are trying to avoid the ninja like knife throwing that is going on from this person that you're around and you become a bit immune to their behavior because it's so horrific and you're just trying to survive the relationship and keep your sanity intact that, you know, there are knives that stick and others you're like, whew, thank God that one passed me. I don't want another knife, so I'm not going to say anything. So the knife, the knife part of it is just part of the story. So I really cut myself badly and I was using towels and whatever to stop myself from bleeding to the point where I could, you know, get to the hospital, whatever. And I finally got some help, got taken to the hospital and, uh, you know, got taken care of. And, um, when I came back, the person was enraged, enraged while they were cleaning up the blood, which I had said, as I left, don't clean up anything. I made this mistake. 
um, please, you know, I'll handle it. Just stay away. I'll, I'll take care of this. And um, they're there just enraged at having to do this and how dare I cut myself and they have to do this. Yeah. And yeah, you ruined her day. Exactly. <laughs> you ruined her day by daring the list. I think that should be on the list of, you know, how do you tell if someone's a narcissist? Because I think that's a very common, I have seen that reaction from narcissists and that's anger. Yeah. When someone oh. gets hurt. So yes. They're in relationship, get you know sick. Why? They're get getting sick the attention hurt. from being yep. ill taken away from the narcissist they're getting uh they they have the other that narcissist is not getting the work that that person usually does to elevate their esteem constantly because they're ill i mean there's all kinds of reasons why someone like that is is so angry and you know this i i've been around my whole life people like this so and i'm always the i'll just slog my head down get it done let's just get through this you know, let's make it. I'm I'm the one feeding the narcissism, which is why I'm in therapy still. But anyway, so this situation <laughs> came, and I I finally I just couldn't take it because I could see how utterly ridiculous. I don't know if it was that I snap and woke up for a minute, and you know, and wasn't so downtrodden by always dealing with this behavior. I don't know what it was, but I woke up, and I just said, I cannot believe what a child you are. I can't, I am injured. I did not do it on purpose. It's actually from something that is wrong with your home. And I told you not to clean anything up and you are screaming at me like a five-year-old because I dared have this issue. What is wrong with you? And I'd never said it quite so, you know, like um, empowered. What was the response? Shock, absolute shock. Yeah. And then about 20 minutes later, they came in and it's the only time in my entire life that this person has ever apologized, said, you know, you were right. I'm sorry. And I was like, oh my God, we've made progress. And guess what? Well, there's a, if, Some, if she was sincere, then, then, then there'd be hope. But yeah. The next week, something else happened that had not that was like that kind of a situation not to do with me with someone else. And she was right back to being exactly. And that's that was another wake up like, okay, this is what narcissism is, the inability to grow. So they can say they're sorry. Many of them have crocodile tears, but they don't change their behavior. So they're unpredictable in their moods. Their moods sometimes they'll they'll overreact to the slightest little thing. Oh, Other God. times they might, you know, ignore slight little things. But but then uh, at you know, sometimes they're gonna just way overreact. I think there's just so much buried rage. Yes. You know, uh, probably from that first eighteen months or three years of their lives. Yep. Absolutely. So Melanie, you've talked about that with the unpredictable. I mean, we're talking about women specifically, but the unpredictable moods where. I oh mean, my gosh, you, ne- you never know who's going to walk through the door. Yeah. Narcissist goes to work. They're in a great mood. Bye, honey. Love you. Kiss on the lips. Walk out. Come home. That you've maybe you've talked to them throughout the day and everything seemed fine. Walk in the door in the evening and just the the devil literally the devil walks <laughs> through the door and no one you never know it and it constantly you know keeps it's that cognitive dissonance that's what that is you you never have stability and so you're constantly on guard and that is just no way to live yeah you it if if you're around someone that's just unpredictable and you never know why they're in a bad mood um yeah that's definitely a sign if you if you really never know who's going to walk through the door, is it going to be nice so-and-so today or is it going to be mean so-and-so? Or just even hour by hour. I mean, uh, there yes. are women in my family where you don't, you didn't know if if they were okay, you know, at one o'clock, you might get um, Jekyll's horrible sister 
uh, or Hyde, whichever the one that's the bad yeah. guy, uh, horrible sister, yeah, an hour later. Yeah. <laughs> it's well, Jekyll and Jekyll. It's Jekyll one, Jekyll two, and Jekyll three. There's no, exactly. there's no Hyde. Is that right? <laughs> well, this goes perfectly with the next one. Studies show female yeah. narcissists will apologize profusely if backed into a corner which is what I did in that moment and capable to regret, to regret wrongdoing for short term or because she got caught depending on the degree of narcissism, but it won't be long before she returns to narcissistic patterns. Exactly. You're looking for evolve an evolution of behavior that is simply is not going to happen. Yeah, that's, yeah, go ahead, Paul. You see that comment that, that I wrote right there? Are women mm -hmm. with, uh, that's something that, that that I put in our list. It, it's not it's not in the list of 12, but I wrote a comment after. Yeah, please, because that was really good. I loved what you wrote. That uh, women who have a, who have healthy self-esteem, um, you know, we, and you talked about that, Kristen, uh, um, when we did a podcast a, a couple weeks ago, that there's a healthy, uh, we don't want to call it healthy narcissism, you know, like some people do right. that healthy self-esteem there's a right. healthy way of having high regard for yourself in in ways that you are that you deserve it you know when women with healthy self-esteem will uh um fill their own love tanks and, and love themselves in a healthy way so that they can have love to pour out from their love tank onto others yes. and uh and you need to love you need to love yourself in a healthy way uh and fill your own love tank before you can love other people and we wrote about that in in our book on codependency called love is a choice mm -hmm. um and um the great commandment in the bible uh you know somebody asked jesus one time uh it was one of the pharisees that was just trying to catch him you know prove him wrong they said uh jesus what's the greatest commandment in the bible and he you know he was asking just so he could argue with him and jesus said if you just obey this one because there's 365 commandments in the Bible. Somebody called him one time an obsessive compulsive neurotic. But anyway, uh, uh, so if you just obey this one commandment, you'll automatically obey all the rest. And that's love God, love your neighbor, and love yourself. Love God mm -hmm. with all your heart. Love your neighbor as yourself. And uh, so uh, a glaring difference between a healthy female and a narcissistic female. Um, An emotionally is, is mature that, woman. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the narcissist appears to love herself, and but it's in an unhealthy way. It's to the to the detriment of everybody else. But a mature woman has a healthy self love that makes her want to share it with uh, other people. Absolutely, um, absolutely. Have a healthy, confident, high self esteem. That's good. The Bible even says, "Cast not away your confidence." If you feel confident, don't throw it away. Value it. Hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and look, we're not saying that, you know, none of us have ever behaved or the women on here have ever behaved in ways in a moment, in a, at a time in our lives or whatever, because everybody behaves narcissistically. Everybody has yeah. things that you, and, and even on, I was watching, uh, Jane Fonda give a talk um, and she's 80 and she was saying, I still call my girlfriends and say, am I doing okay? And I thought, Oh, that's so awesome because that's reality that we are, you never reach a place where you're like, I'm just perfect. That's a narcissist. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, but it's the ability to reflect and have growth. Like I can look at my friend, um, Boleyn that I've known for, I don't even know how many years now. And when we're around each other, I mean, we were around each other when we were real, you know, younger and not in the best place, not in the best marriages, not in the best life situation. And then to see her life evolve and see what she's done with her life. And she feels the same about me. And, and we can look at each other and we know so many secrets <laughs> that we can laugh and go, yeah, I remember when you behaved like that, Kristen, mm -hmm. you know, and laugh about those things, but there's, an evolution where when you're dealing with someone who's a narcissist, there is no evolution, none. You could run into them 10 years change. from now and the same person yeah. is still there with all that yeah. bad behavior. I'm not sure what the statistics are, but it seems like like 99% of them don't ever change. But, yes. but we do see, um, we do see some 
that change dramatically and become real loving people with long-term therapy when they hit rock bottom and they're suicidally depressed and all that, and they realize it's from their own narcissism. Mm-hmm. Uh, Melanie, have you have you treated uh, any narcissists that that have uh, changed um, and become mature humans? They're sort of rare and hard to find, but. They are rare and hard to find. You know, I I don't think I I don't think I have. I I can say that treating eating disorder eating disorders are very narcissistic. They have very narcissistic qualities. Um, it's very self-centered. Even though the person might be extremely giving, it's something that is in, in very narcissistic in nature. And so I have seen um, many a young woman overcome eating disorder, and they certainly become a lot less narcissistic. It's like the strange oxymoron um, with with young women that are that are particularly uh, anorexia, not so much bulimia, but anorexia, they can be extremely narcissistic and selfish and just so, you know, they're so focused on themselves and their bodies and the food they eat that they just completely forget about everyone else and it can be really hurtful to others. So I have had several clients that have gotten to the other side of it and really felt like they had kind of like an AA moment where they needed to go back and apologize to their loved ones for behaving in such a way. Um, but as far as a, 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 a full blown narcissist, no, I've I've not seen um, anyone get better. I have seen narcissists come in to be treated for de- for depression um, and they certainly can come out of the depression. Depression is about the only reason a narcissist is going to show up in your chair um, because it's often associated with kind of that anhedonia, um, just that constant feeling of the blahs and not being able to have any happiness because they're kind of empty. And so one, one of my favorite, one of my favorite, uh, one of my favorite patients is a female who was a full blown narcissist like about well, 25 years ago. And uh, we treated her 25 years ago in the uh, a program. And, uh, and she became aware of her narcissism. I mean, she hit rock bottom. She was suicidal, ready to kill herself. And not just to be, not to punish anybody else. She was just miserable. And when she realized, uh, when she realized that that what she was doing was not logical, you know, it, it wasn't. It was just making her have more pain. Then, uh, then she actually started working on it and got uh, therapy. And and uh, within a, a year or two, I mean, she did a lot better in the day program already. But within a year or two of outpatient therapy, she she got uh, really healthy. And I've been seeing her. Uh, every uh, three months for medication for the last 20 years. And I really look forward to seeing her. She's, she's done a great job of raising her uh, teenage daughter since then. And, and, you know, just, she's just turned into a real loving person. So that can be someone that has high narcissistic behavior, but they aren't necessarily, wouldn't necessarily be classified as a personality disorder. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Um, Yeah. Well, here's what we can do. We can go through the rest of them, or we could shelve the rest of this for next week's show. I think we ought to save them. Yeah, save them. I do too. We've covered a lot of uh, information. It's fun to discuss them. Yeah. It is. Yeah. So we have. We have covered the first six. (laughs) We did. We covered about half, which is great. And I want to get into the part about you know abusive to their husbands and. Um, yeah. get into the, the, you know, that a lot of times that can be financial abuse. Um, yes. I happen to know someone whose um, ex-wife is sitting in prison for um, poisoning him over uh, a, like a two-year period. Um, wow. With, um, radiator fluid and air conditioning fluid for a vehicle. So, um, uh, yeah. So, you know, uh and a lot of the rest of the things on that list. I got a cousin that, we, that got killed by his uh, wife. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. my gosh. Yeah. We need to yeah. save this for next week. There's some <laughs> stories. Listen, listeners tune in wow. to the next one. We're going to, we will record that one in a week. And yeah, let's do another one. Two. Let's do another one on narcissists. A narcissistic women. women. I'm tired of, I'm tired of the men getting all the blame for all. The That's right. Women. I think about that too. too. (laughs) We did, we did a show um, with Leslie Vernick, who's amazing, wonderful author. And she talks a lot about narcissistic men. And I kept trying to like turn it into, yeah, but women can be this way too. And it just kept right going back to the men, which is, there's nothing wrong with that. But it was just funny. I was like, man, men can, 
get the rap and the statistics are 50 50. yep yeah in fact let me let me share something real, really quick before yeah. we quit uh the, the mmpi uh has been given to, to millions of people around the world uh, a lot of graduate schools require it or seminaries or or medical school requires it you know we had to take it to before they would accept us and things so it's been given to to really literally you know millions of people uh, and it's and it's it's got four lie skills in it to see if your line look good, line look bad, just plain lying or lying to yourself. Uh, so it's hard to fool it. And uh, and there's a scale uh, in there, the PD scale that measures your degree of narcissism or sociopathy or you know a, what, being selfish and wanting in in having a, a, ten, a you know a, a tendency to take advantage of other people. And uh, on that scale. They have, you know, they've done the test on millions of men and on millions of women, and on that scale, men and women come out. The average for the men and average for the women, the women actually came out half of a percentage point higher than the men. But, but that's not statistically significant. So, so they're they're equally narcissistic on mm -hmm. on that test. And uh, in fact, the women actually came out. I'm glad they came out a half point higher. So when I get blamed for everything, you know, I can say, well, you know, women have problems too. You know, <laughs> and, and I love women, you know, I'm not being, I just, you know, I just feel sorry for us guys getting all the rap sometimes. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Men get it again. Men, men get blamed for a lot of stuff and, and this, some deservedly so, and other things like this, Hey, it oh, yeah. is oh, hands down and in, in in my life experience, there have been just as many women as there have been men. The only difference is with men, with me, they could use, um, since I'm attracted to men, you know, they could use that piece with me, whereas, um, you know, I'm not attracted to women in, in that way. So they they couldn't get capture the heart strings quite as much as as men could. So it was an extra tool in their arsenal of tools to get at me. Um, now I'm pretty, I'm pretty much like immune to that. The minute something like that goes on, I'm like, thank you for showing me who you are and goodbye. I'm out. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> Bye. Yeah, I saw the red flag and I'm out. <laughs> and I'm out. But uh, I that's and there, has been, there has been an awful lot of chauvinism throughout history yeah, where yeah. men are favored over women. And then yeah, get spoiled, right. and and uh, and so there, uh, you know there there have been a lot of narcissistic males just because they're, they're you know the the men have been so spoiled, and I think just really in the last twenty or thirty years that we're that we're uh, you know getting uh, closer to equality on on, uh, on that. Right. Exactly. So there are in some a lot ways, of yeah. Male narcissists that because of the way men are spoiled. And on another way of that women have had to work a little harder at their narcissism because we aren't automatically. <laughs> uh, so they're a little craftier in some ways. You know? <laughs> There's a lot of different ways to look at it, but listeners, thank you for tuning in. Obviously we've got six more to go. So we're going to talk about this next time. It deserved to be a two show um, uh, arc here. So we will finish up this one next week on round table with Dr. Paul Meyer. Thank you, Melanie and Paul for joining in on this first discussion. Thank you, Kristen. It was good. I enjoyed that. Had fun. Absolutely. <laughs> Thank you, listeners, for tuning in. Hi, this is Dr. Paul Meyer, founder of the National Chain of Meyer Clinics. I've often told you about how people just like you are getting the healing that they need from emotional issues like depression, anxiety, anger problems, and relational problems. We wanted to share with you Mickey's experience at our day program and how it has affected his life. The Meyer Clinics has been a real blessing to me. Dr. Meyer told me that People get well here, and my life has been completely changed. I have been symptom-free for three years, and I'd recommend it to anybody that really wants to overcome an emotional problem of any kind. Mickey's story is like so many others that we receive. It's an encouragement to us, and we hope it will also be an encouragement to you to call us to get the emotional help that you've needed. Please call toll-free 888-7-CLINIC to be connected to the Meyer Clinic program nearest you. That's 1-888-7-CLINIC or go to MeyerClinics.com. That's www.meierclinics.com. Sometimes I'm passive-aggressive, but never 
Thanks so much for listening to Mental Health News Radio. Our podcast can be found on iTunes, Stitcher, and hundreds of other podcast apps. Or you can visit our website at mentalhealthnewsradio.com. If you have a question or would like to be a guest, become a podcaster on our network, or join the amazing organizations that help keep us on the air, please email us at info at mhnrnetwork.com. Get ready for that special goodbye from our resident therapy dog, Miles, and a special thanks to Emily Sohn for letting us use her incredible song, Cordial, for our podcast music. Listen to the full song on SoundCloud at emily.sonne. Don't be surprised when I don't hate on you. After all we promised, we'd be cordial. Sometimes in you, I can fight it. Good boy.